The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Well, are you wrong? And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone Or the times are changing Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Generation Jaguar podcast. I'm here with Scott Klein, my co-host for the last three episodes, and our brand new co-host, Grant Gunderson, who's also the VP of Generation Jaguar. And we brought you in with the great words and lyrics of Bob Dylan, who so eloquently put it, times they are a-changing, and times are changing in Jacksonville. We have a new offensive coordinator and uh, we have a new co-host to our show here with Grant Gunderson. Before we get into Grant, we're going to do a quick rundown of the show coming up. we got a recap of the Titans, which we always do to start off the show. Uh, we'll get into our What the F moments of the week. We'll look at the civil war that's going on within the Jaguars um, organization with players not respecting fans, fans not respecting players, and now the ownership has gotten into it as well. We'll look at the firing of Greg Olson and the promotion of Nathaniel Hackett to offensive coordinator. We'll get into Blake Bortles bringing in a quarterback guru eight weeks into the season. We'll take you around the AFC South, look at the Jaguars competition, and finally we'll finish with our Chiefs preview. So without further ado, we've got Grant Gunderson, who is the VP of Generation Jaguar, and you can find him on Instagram at boldcityg underscore. So Grant, how you doing today? Doing pretty good. Trying to uh, you know remain optimistic about the upcoming week, and you know hopefully we can pull out the win. You know, I, I, through through thick and thin, win, lose, draw. You know, I'm always here to support the team, but uh, you know it's it's not the easiest thing to do, but it's definitely something fun. You're sugarcoating it. Come on. Get fired. Get angry. man. I mean, yes, I'm angry. I'm pissed. There we, we go. We all spend our hard-earned money week after week packing the stadium, filling the stands, tailgating, doing our thing, Duval, Duval, lock down the bank. But, I mean, seriously, it, it's not It's not the, you know, it's not It's not fun cheering on a losing team, mm-hmm. the team yeah. that's the laughing stock of the NFL. But, you know, good times, good memories. Yeah, I, I think I'm just a little jaded. Just... <laughs> Coming in, coming on the podcast and going, oh shucks, yeah. Maybe we'll get him next week. Yeah, four weeks into this podcast now, and our enthusiasm is really, really starting to starting to wane. Well, you know what? A win this Sunday will change all that. That's right. It It'll sure get, will. Going in the right direction for sure. Yeah. So, what do you have going on, Grant? 
Um, so yeah, I'm the vice president, uh, Generation Jaguar. Stoked to be a part of the growth and everything going on. You know, it's been really tremendous about our our increase in, in just participation and fans. And you know, despite a, a team that isn't doing so well, it's amazing to see you know all the things that we've got going on. I'm uh, currently in the process of talking with about a dozen potential new sponsors and getting some new events and things going like that. And also in the uh, process of planning the first annual Generation Jaguar Ugly Sweater Christmas Party. Uh, it'll be December, late, late to mid-December uh, out in Jacksonville Beach at Green Room. It's going to be a good time, and tickets will be sold in advance as well as at the door, so look for some more details to come on that. Yeah, we are really excited about that, and I'm just personally really excited about having Grant helping out so much with the uh, outreach to other organizations and planning some of these events and we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up we're really excited for this ugly Christmas sweater party and um, a lot of the a lot of the reason we're doing this whole party is to raise uh, some cash for a local foundation and to also um, have a drive to where we either get maybe canned food or toys for a bunch of local kids. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely be doing some donation drives once we uh, finish setting everything up, but it's definitely going to be a, a great evening. Yeah. Plus, you'll get to drink beer from Green Room, hang out with a bunch of awesome people. Well, and, uh, I like that part. Yeah. Free beer is always in. Free beer. And plenty of hard cider. <laughs> That's right. So... Um, yeah, we've got that coming up. We're also planning a lot of other cool events, so just you know, stay tuned. Stay following us on social media. If you don't have us on social media, we're at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram, and on Twitter, we're at Generation Jag. But if you search Generation Jaguar, we'll pop right up on Twitter for you. And, so, and keep yeah. your eyes peeled, too. You never know when contests are going to be coming. That's right. We might be giving away some free tickets to our Christmas party this... Uh, That's called a teaser. Is that what that <laughs> is, is that what coming next? <laughs> is that what it's like for Bortles bringing in the QB coach setting uh, us up for failure Sunday? Oh, man. <laughs> Just enough to wet our beak? That's right. So before we get into what has been happening this week and what is going to be happening in the future, Ooh. we're going to have to look at... What happened last Thursday night? Scott, you want to start off? Boo! Yeah, let's Boo. just go ahead and get a collaborative... Boo! Boo. Oh. All right. Hopefully the players aren't listening. We don't want to hurt their feelings. They might have a nervous breakdown. Boo! <laughs> In all honesty, though, I'm not the type of fan that likes to boo at games. I don't boo. But like the fact that these players are so just butthurt about it pisses me off. Like, grow up. Anyways, we'll get into more of that talk later, but what happened on Thursday that you saw? To, to be honest, not much that I personally saw, because for the first time in my life, I stopped watching the game before halftime. Yeah, I think a lot of fans I did. left the watch party at the Bricks, and I drove home, and I was just listening to it, just stewing in my car. Yeah. And I didn't even, I didn't even witness the garbage time. Theatrics. Yeah. So I, that, that that left no impression on me. I was just at the end of the first quarter. That's I was good like, I know where this game is going. Garbage and time it, is exactly what it, it's called. Garbage time for a reason. It's because it didn't matter. It gives you hope of something yeah. to cling on to. That's yeah. pointless. Garbage yeah. gas leading garbage time. Yeah. Well, I call 
And I, I don't think I coined this. I think I heard it somewhere else. But Captain Garbage Time. That's Blake Bortles. 300. He like if you look at him from a if you're just a fantasy fan and you look at the Jaguars, That's you're like, oh, I love Blake Bortles. 300 yards. 300. I mean, three touchdowns. Like he's awesome. Not so fast. It's 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 his mo. It's it's he's absolutely horrid in the first half when things are tight. Once the game gets out of reach, they're loose. Um, I don't know if the play callings are changing or what, but he's able to make plays because the defense is backing off, giving him things that yeah. if it was a one-possession game, the defense would be a it'd lot be a lot tighter. tighter. Absolutely. Why you got to beat up on my boy like Cause that? Because like, he's... But beating up on I, me. I understand, but dang, man, like give my boy a break. Like obviously he's still here and the offensive coordinator's not. So what does that tell you? That tells you that uh Gus Bradley is really good at finding a scapegoat. scapegoat. Yeah, no, I I agree there. I mean, the game wasn't pretty, you know. It was it was definitely you know, one of the it was pretty much the most aggravating game I think I've watched ever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think for me, you know, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, Blake, I love you. I'll always support you. But, I mean, it was garbage time stats. I mean, you know, he helped out fantasy people, sure. But, I mean, three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and you still lose a game. Well, no no shit. I mean, look how we were down 27 to nothing at halftime. I mean, the, the game was over when the players, before they even headed to the locker room, and then no matter what rah-rah speech you're going to give at halftime, I mean, it's not going to make you come back and score a 50-burger to try to win the game. I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. Yeah. My biggest thing is these players have no control over their emotions on the field, and they have no control over their actions on the field. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's penalty where the receiver was clearly out of bounds by – a few yards. He was well into the oh, wide. Yeah. And he wasn't moving fast. And Jalen Ramsey wasn't moving fast. Yet Ramsey still decided to just lay him out. This just Well, and I, and I don't pointless. think it's the player's attitude. I think it also comes down to coaching. Yeah, no I mean, accountability. It's, it's, I think as much as the players say that they're trying to, to play to keep Gus, I'm not really sold on the fact that they are. I think that he has lost his touch, he's lost his his rhythm, then that whole locker room is out of sync as long as he's there. And point and not I'm just want to point out Jalen Ramsey to me is the last person I'm gonna be calling out. Oh absolutely and the way the way he plays the game with his attitude, with the way he doesn't want to lose, he's Stop committing dumb penalties, dude. Understandable. Stop. I, I understand, but he's not the poster boy of what's wrong with this team. Right. No. That's what I say. That's I think the way me. he acts is very much what's wrong with this team. Because this defense, even when they're playing good, they give up big drives because of dumb bonehead penalties that are totally unnecessary. And Jalen Ramsey has had his fair share of them. I'll agree with that. Uh, but it's, it's, he's the kind of guy where you look at him and there's something different about him because he's not going to roll over. He's going to push for every single play. If somebody if somebody burns him on a play, he's gonna come back and be like, okay, let's try this again. Harness that positively. Exactly. Don't and hurt your team by committing dumb penalties. He's still a really young guy. He is. He's a rookie. He's gonna learn. But he's the best player on the team, and oh, he Jalen Ramsey brings an element to this team that is much needed. Well, we've never had a cornerback that can play like him. Yeah. Well, true. so physical. True. I mean, not. But I'm not just saying his talent too. Like his just. 
attitude. His attitude, mm-hmm. his his confidence and his abilities. I mean, look when he, look look how he he shuts Steve, Steve Smith down. Yep. You know, yeah. I mean, that's a 15 year, multiple Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver who's to spe- me he's a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah. yeah, he's a future Hall of Famer. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer all day. And Jalen Ramsey shut him down and yep. shut him up. Yeah, and shut him up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I probably wanted to pop him great. in the head too. Yeah. yeah, he's obviously playing great, but I would like to see these penalties go away, not just from him, from the whole defense. Um, that leads me to another point. Uh, Grant brought up the fact that the players want to keep Gus around. Of course, I think some players do want to keep Gus around, and it's evidenced by what they've said. But I think they want to keep Gus around for the wrong reason. And what leads me to say that is. Malik Jackson was on 1010XL earlier this week. He joins at uh, the Midday Chalk every Tuesday um, at noon. And he basically said, I want to keep Gus around because I know the next coach is not going to be as good of a player's coach as Gus. Player's coach. You want to keep Gus around for the exact reason that we can't win games. Exactly. And that is just so... so telling to me. They're, With all of the, the talent on paper that we have, can you imagine this team if Mike Ditka from the 1985 Bears was our head coach? They were... <laughs> no. I mean, seriously, it's, can you? I, In a word, no. They, they, <laughs> that would be incredible. This, this coaching... Or, um, this or here's, positivity... Here's a better one. Jimmy Johnson, when he coached in Dallas. Per, yeah, perfect example. He's... He's not known as a player's coach, but he, he doesn't accept anything less than perfection, than what Absolutely. he expects. I think Jimmy was a player's coach, though. If you talk to a lot of his uh, players that... Uh, was, he, was he a player's but, coach when he called out Emmett Smith? But, right, that's my point. He would call your ass out when you needed to be and called out. And that's the definition of accountability. Exactly. Not this Gus Bradley. That's the difference between oh. him and Gus right there. He knows when it's time to call a player out. Yeah. So, um, all of this leads to the question, why hasn't Gus been fired? Because he's able to find a scapegoat, and we'll get into the latest scapegoat, the latest victim of Gus Bradley's terrible coaching, which is Greg Olson, who, I'm not making any excuses for Olson. The offense wasn't getting it done, but Mm -hmm. it's clear that Olson's not the only problem. And I'll steal a quote from a coworker of mine, CJ Dolberger. Shout out to you, CJ. When you rearrange chairs on a sinking ship, it does not stop the ship from sinking. <laughs> Ever. I, like well, I mean, I, I told you in the first place that the problem with the whole situation is that the brain trust left it up to Gus to fix the problem in the first place instead of fixing Gus. I mean, that's, that's the whole issue. You know, you talk to anybody who knows what went on and what those conversations were like was Gus made the decision to let Olsen go. And he let Shad Khan, the owner, and David Caldwell, the general manager, know what his decision was. And the, and the players didn't know in advance. I nope. mean, to, in all fairness, they found out the same time that all of us found out when it broke on Twitter, when it broke through the news. But the problem, I always said, it goes back to Gus being the one left to fix things. Yeah. That's where it, that's where it all begins for me. And when, with, when you have a set mindset where you're going into something saying, we have the right idea. We have the right plan in place to do what's work. What's going to work? You're going to keep doing that 
Because and it's supposed to be the right thing. Football games. Exactly. If you if the captain of the ship that you're talking about doesn't realize he's driving straight into a hurricane, he's gonna keep going no matter what. Yeah. It's it's a because real he thinks Titanic. it's the right thing to yeah, do. It's, it's a real life Titanic. They can't see the ninety percent of the iceberg that's underwater. Yeah. It is frustrating. It really is. And um, but you Gus know what? There's there's a positive to it though. If you think about it, there's a positive. Less high draft than, pick in 2017. No, there's not even that. There's no the positive is that there's less than 60 days until Black Monday. Less than 60 days until Black Monday. Just the and fact explain that what is Black Monday? Black Monday is the day after the NFL season when pretty much you can expect about a quarter to a third of the league to make major changes and resulting in head coaching losses, and then you've got you know a handful of teams all vying for the hottest free agent court coach on the market, but. Uh, that's, that's the day that represents a sign of change and some, some new heartbeats for a dying team. Yeah. Well, we've had some change this week with the team. It's not the change I, we need. I, I think everyone realizes that. But It's a Band-Aid. It is a Band-Aid. I will say, I, I do think I like Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if he's able... Greg Olson seemed to me like, like I, he wasn't willing to change... Like he's known as the guy that's going to change to what play what's best for the cards he's given as far as with the, uh, the quarterbacks being able to put, a, put them in a position to win. But like the the previous jobs he's been employed at, things got stale. Really, play quickly. fell really quickly. Play yeah. fell off, and it just went downhill from there. Yeah, no, so, I can agree with that. It's it's something where. An out, not not even an outside perspective, but a different way of thinking that's not so dead set and dug in to where if we keep doing this, eventually it's going to work. Yeah, right. So you know, Olson, great great first year with Bortles in terms of getting him to throw thirty five touchdowns, like pretty much well he broke beat, he beat the Jaguars passing touchdown record last year by over 50%. Yeah, yeah, like it was an awesome year. Clearly like Scott said it got stale really quickly and I know that Bradley will deny it but there was clearly a rift between Olsen and Bortles. Yeah, it was well, obvious 100%, on the sideline. 100%. It was they I whenever I'm watching Whenever I'm stewing after a Jaguars loss and I'm watching another team play football, the quarterbacks going looking over paperwork, talking to, talking to their coaches. Hey, what what happened here? What are we gonna do? They show me this look. How we're we gonna counteract that? Blake was just going off, sitting there, just tossing a football around. And I never, I don't think I saw him talking to his offensive no, coordinator, the guy that calls his plays that's supposed to put themselves in a position to win. I cannot remember the last time I saw them talking after after a series. Well, and that's because it, it didn't happen. I think, you know, you like Nathaniel Hackett. I like Nathaniel Hackett. He's got a couple years of, of experience as an offensive coordinator under his belt. And I think that's evidenced by, you know, this week Bortles decided to go ahead once Olsen was let go and bring in his own quarterback coach, his own guru. Yeah. And I think that that is something that he probably wanted to do weeks ago. Will we ever know if, he, if or not? I don't know. But the fact of the matter is... Hackett and him are on the same page. They, they, they're they thinking about, okay, what can we do to turn shit around and right the ship? 
And I don't think if Olsen was here that he would be bringing in his own quarterback guru this week mm-hmm. because I don't think him and him and Olsen could communicate or, or get along or whatever you want to call it that needed to happen. And I just think, you know, with, with Hackett being a little bit younger, there's more of a degree of, of comfort there between the two. Yeah, I do think that Blake is clearly more comfortable with Hackett. But I do, I do say I like Hackett. I'm happy with him so far. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with him. Right. But I like his attitude. Mm-hmm. I like his energetic, uh, his energetic vibe that he gives off. And his he just balance. seems really excited about the opportunity to change little things within the offense that might mm-hmm. have big nice. results as um, the change happens. But the only thing I will say that worries me about Hackett and kind of makes me scratch my head. So we fire Greg Olson Mm -hmm. and we replace him with the quarterback coach that's been coaching Blake Bortles during this (laughs) terrible season. Like, can Nathaniel Hackett not help out with the mechanics? Well, but I mean, I, I, I take that with a grain of salt. And the reason I say that is because Hackett being the QB coach he doesn't have the final say in things that happen. You don't know what goes on between the offensive meetings between him and Olsen and the the team. So he may have wanted to implement some new ideas or some different wrinkles in the game plan to better help Bortles and utilize what he's good at. And with Olsen being the one to call the shots and have the final say, you don't know. So that's why I think... think But I don't even mean like play calling and ideas like that. I just mean straight up. Your quarterback coach is supposed to be working with your quarterback on everything that has to do with quarterbacking, which right. includes mechanics. Right. And his mechanics regressed to a level so poor this year under his coaching. But what if what if we had been a fly on the wall and we, we heard Hackett talk about some different things that could be done within the offensive strategy and play calling I get to that better part. suit his mechanics? I get that part, but the mechanics are just bad. Like they're, yeah, they're bad. They're bad. Like when your wind up is looking like Byron Leftwich and Tim Tebow, you've got an issue. Not to mention. Okay, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. You yeah. said Tim Tebow. Don't cross that line. You already bashed two of my no, favorite quarterbacks. I'm not saying that Bortles is playing like Tim Tebow. I'm <laughs> saying his wind up. Well, his wind up looks like Tim <laughs> Tebow's right now. It's it true. does. Is there any coincidence how quickly Bortles brought in his own coach once Olsen had left the building? I think not. I do not think that's a coincidence. I'm with you. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think you're absolutely right about the comfortability now. And the comfortability factor is huge for Bortles, in my opinion. And he's a very resilient guy. I still think he can bounce back from this. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. It might take time. I I don't feel like fixing something to where he – it looks like he's back to his rookie season. I don't think that's just a quick fix. Yeah, it might. It's not something where I think, oh, he's done. He's not. He's not the quarterback of the future. Yeah. It's something where it might take an off season. It might take something where he's he's yeah. got to try and find some well, way to get it straight. And and I think that's why Bortles felt that this was the right time. Now that he's got someone who's calling the shots that he's comfortable with and on mm-hmm. the same page with, where he felt it it was the right time to to bring in his own coach. And and he did that this week. He made the move. He. Announced that he was going to bring in Adam Dedeau, who is a, uh, a Tom House guy. You know, Tom House is notorious for his work with Tom Brady and, and some of the other greats at the quarterback position. And so yeah. that's what he did. He came into town from Southern California, Adam did, and worked with Bortles Monday 
Monday and Tuesday, you know, talking about the windup and just the different parts of his his windup and his mechanics and, and all. And that's what they spent pretty much Monday, Tuesday, you know, all all just working on the field. Adam was out there. Hackett was out there. Those three working together. But I think the important thing for us as fans to look at is that this was something spearheaded by Bortles. Yeah. I don't think he's given up on the season. I don't think that he's. Oh, I don't like, think he's the type of guy that's ever going to no, give up. No, no. Bortles is no, no. This is something that it, it, he wanted. It was his doing. He's hiring the guy. He's bringing him, and he wants change. He wants to to see things happen. And so I think that's you know, he he spent time with Tom House over the off season, and and Dado being a, a a Tom House guy. I mean, I think it was it was a good call. And so I hope you know the time that they spent together was was well spent and we'll see Sunday we'll see how it plays out I'm sure it will and I think I think Bortles would admit this I think that he did not spend enough time on his mechanics this offseason I was good. yeah there and was a- I, I read an article about it I think it's obvious he didn't spend enough time mm. this offseason on his mechanics as in years past and he realized it pretty early on in the preseason and I I think he thought there was nothing that they could do about it during the season. He even admitted right. that. The yeah. problems that are happening right now aren't things we can fix mid-season. But I think that that statement came from Greg Olson being the offensive coordinator. Right. And now that there's a new okay. offensive coordinator that is open with Bortles and they can have a good relationship, good working relationship, they can do different things. They can work on different things. Absolutely. And uh, they can really try to fix it. And I don't think that was going to happen under Olsen. Here's the thing. If, 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 Hack, if this offense returns to its prime form like it was firing on all cylinders last year, is there a chance that we fire Gus and make Hackett the head coach? Gosh, that would be, that th- would be an almost unprecedented move. But Tampa I, did do that. I'm thinking more, more so than that. Hackett was the offense coordinator where? Buffalo. Buffalo. Who was the head coach? Doug Marone. That's ding, the line ding, of thinking ding, that I'm more So you no, think? No, I mean, I, but, I agree. But, so wait a second. I just got to get this straight. So Doug Marone, head coach at Syracuse, brings in Hackett to be the offensive coordinator at Syracuse. Then Doug Marone goes to Buffalo, brings Hackett with him. Then goes to Jacksonville, brings Hackett with, with him. him. So Hackett's been his disciple this whole time. And then Hackett surpasses the mentor in terms of job status, which he has. He's yep. now the offensive yes. coordinator. And mm. while Marone is the assistant head coach, he's the offensive line coach. Yeah. yeah. Hackett's the OC. Right, he's calling and the so shots. And so now you think they do great the rest of the season, hypothetically, if they do great the rest of the season. Mm. Then Marone takes back, takes back his uh, his master role, and um, I I'm just thinking Hackett I, becomes the apprentice again. Either way, whether it's Hackett and Marone or Marone and Hackett, it has it should have Jaguars fans licking their chops like they're in front of a hot plate of Bono's barbecue. I mean, come on, <laughs> Marone, Marone great, Hackett. Anyone not named Gus Bradley should do that. Marone Absolutely. and Hackett for president. Let's go. <laughs> Make Duval great again. I'm, I'm, I'm more saying outside, Let's not get ahead of ourselves. outside the organization, <laughs> he's been proven to where uh, Nathaniel Hackett has been exactly the protege yep. of, my, of uh, Doug Marone. Doug Marone's a guy who, by all accounts around the league, could potentially 
have some eyes looking at him as a head coach, as a head coach coming yep. up again. Well, but I mean, it's it's like bacon and eggs, Batman and Robin, you know. Now, great, yeah. going along with your scenario, Nathaniel Hackett turns turns the offensive around, the offense around. We start winning some games. Right. Does winning games does not correlate to me Gus Bradley getting fired? That's another fair point. So let's say the Jaguars are two and five right now. Yep. Let's say they finish eleven and five. <laughs> All right. Be, I'll, I'll, I'll be positive, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Be positive, y'all. Grant's going to finish the rest of the podcast without us. Anyways, um, you know, let's say they finish optimistically 8 and 8 or 7 and 9. Does that get Gus Bradley to stay in Jacksonville for another year? My, my, if if not, I would rather. I mean, if that does happen, I would rather us be terrible the rest of this year. My reasoning really with that is, it might save him from being fired midseason, which yeah. he might not even be in general. Now, but okay, go but on. With, but with him not being fired, let's say in your in the scenario, Nathaniel Hackett turns the offense around. With him making it through the season, he's presumably going to get the get get the chop. He's going to get the yeah. axe. Is Nathaniel Hackett the guy that you're looking for next year as far as building a whole new system? I mean, do, I, system? do I go ahead and say that's my number one guy? I can't say that right now. I have no idea. Exactly. Right now, but my wait. number one guy for next year is without question Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I think we're But wait, but wait. Scrap, scrap any outside prospects. Think about this. Think, thinking into the crystal ball. I think we ball. need to only look at think, outside. Think, thinking of the crystal ball, <laughs> if, if Hackett can turn this offensive around, Right, and Doug Marone takes over as head coach and keeps Hackett as his OC. Mm-hmm. Do do they put Gus back to where he's best? No, he's, no, he's, Gus is Gus gone. If Gus, you know, no coaches what. don't get demoted. Yeah. A head coach does not get demoted. That's not the way I'm the league just works. Saying. It won't happen. It won't happen for his ego, or for the fans burning down the stadium. It's just plain and simple. It won't happen for Malik Jackson's purpose. It's not he's gonna. Getting, he's getting paid ninety million dollars. He'll he'll it play for whoever happening. the hell we tell him. To play. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't <laughs> know he. Is. I wouldn't. <laughs> now, I hate suggesting that I might prefer us lose instead of win. Absolutely. But let's say the offense does flip the switch a little bit with Hackett, and it's kind of a slow development throughout the rest mm-hmm. of the year, and the Jaguars still don't win very many games. But the offense is clearly better, and the defense is clearly better. But they just can't win the games. Uh-huh. That could be an ideal situation because then you see that uh, Bortles still does have what it takes, and the Robinson and um, Hearns and all the guys on offense, all the good offensive weapons. It'll give you some confidence going into next year. But they still didn't win the game, so uh, Gus can go. Yeah. I just don't. I think there's a lot of fans out there that. I think that we would just lose them if that happened because I, I think, think we already have. Well, we well, I think we we would lose dead. even. I understand that, but I think we would lose even more if that were to happen. And so I don't. I mean, yes, losing to to make sure that Gus Bradley doesn't come back is is tempting, but I don't think that's the right answer either. Yeah. To, well, to me, I mean, you, you heard it from Ian Rappaport. I mean, he's a pretty well-known guy. He said that the Jags aren't typically a team to make a change in the middle of the season, and that's why even letting Olsen go was surprising. And so I think it's just a matter of waiting for the offseason to be here before Connor or Caldwell mm-hmm. is going to pull the trigger. Yeah, you know, I agree. If, 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 if Gus Bradley isn't fired by now, when will It's not going to happen during the season. And to, to be honest, in my opinion, you you got to purge this 
mentality that they've it's had terrible. ingrained in them. Getting, they've been coddled the, since day one. The coaching, the if you're on the coaching staff, there's got to be some position coach somewhere that doesn't agree with the way Gus Bradley's doing things. And to me, I that hasn't shown up. I just think they're too too afraid to speak out. If you ask me, I agree. Then then maybe they they're not suited to be a part of something that's that's bigger than not standing up to someone who is doing a terrible job. Well, yeah, time will tell. I, guess I we'll just see. think you just start over, get somebody in here that you think has the right mindset and can bring bring people along that uh, that are right there with them. Well, I think everyone can agree that Bradley's not the answer right exactly. now. Exactly. Right. That's So, Grant, you just brought up Malik Jackson. We'd like to go ahead and uh, hop backwards. I know we're going – we usually do our – WTF moment of the week earlier, we but ranted a little bit. we got on a long rant there, and um, that's all right. These things happen when your team's terrible. So, Grant, what is your WTF moment of the week? I know it has something to do with Malik Jackson. Yeah, Malik, listen, man, you came here on a six-year, $90 million deal. 92, if I'm 92, correct. what up? 90 million, 90, <laughs> $90 million flipping dollars, Malik. You make yeah. me feel bad now. Like, like you know how many how many Publixes you can open or how many Win Dixies you can. I mean, just ninety million dollars is a lot of dough, bro. So for you to go and and post on Instagram and your Instagram stories how pissed you are that that the NFL's taken thirty grand from you, which isn't even one percent of your overall salary. I mean, you know, you post not just one, not just two, not just three, but four different clips on Instagram on his story. On or his, just yeah, on his, his Instagram story okay. about being upset. By the league finding him not once but twice. The first being a twenty-four thousand dollar fine, which we were all aware of from his ejection in the game uh, a couple weeks ago at home against the Raiders, and then the other fine being a, between six and seven thousand dollars for wearing an article of clothing underneath his pads that was not NFL approved. I mean, dude, you're an NFL player. You guys, before the season even kicks off, are made aware. Of what you can and cannot wear, if that only includes. There was a book, of, oh, of, you know, wait, of like things a, that you can, like, and like, like a, a, a rule book. I mean, come on, you're yeah. a, you're not a rookie, you're not an undrafted free agent. You know, you're a pro, you're a, a Pro Bowl caliber player who's been around. You know what you're doing. I would hope, and and you guys know what the rules are. You know what you can wear. You know what you can't wear. You know what jewelry can't be worn and what can be worn and what you can get away with. So the fact that you're crumpling up papers, you're talking about how you're pissed, you're talking about how they're taking thirty grand and dropping f bombs. If I'm no, yeah, correct. no, dropping the f bomb, dropping a bunch of ex- expletives like WTF, bro, get it together, go hit somebody else, take that anger out and go hit Nick Foles for all I care. Yeah, be like us when you want to say the f word, say WTF, and you're good to go. Everybody says that. Little kids say that these days. It's not a big deal. So. One thing you just said, I do take uh, a little bit of a different stance than you. You said Malik Jackson is a Pro Bowl caliber player. I don't know if I think that he that's He hasn't true. lived I'll, – I'll backstep. He hasn't lived up to that in Jacksonville. But if you look at his play in Denver, the Surrounded reason, by three Pro Bowlers. doesn't matter. The Jags still yeah. – Two Hall of Famers and perhaps one of the best pass rushers in NFL history. 
and Vaughn Miller, and certainly another top 10, top 20 pass rusher in NFL history in DeMarcus Ware. Well, my point is Caldwell wouldn't have paid him the money if he didn't think that's what he was worth. Well, I don't know how much I trust Dave Caldwell. He's he, he's becoming he's coming into question. He too. needs to be taking he, some heat, he, he and we haven't touched on that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Dave Caldwell has drafted Luke Jokel in the first round. Okay, I think we can all say as a number two overall pick that is That's a bust. That's so good. Okay, all right. He's drafted Blake Bortles in the first round. We don't know about that yet, but he's certainly not looking as good as it's several other players that, that were available at the time. And Teddy Bridgewater and uh, what's Derek Teddy Carter. Bridgewater doing? He got injured. You can't blame that on him. Come on, man. Don't even be like that. You can't I'm be like that. I'm just saying. You can't be like that. So you know, Caldwell does not have a perfect record as our general manager. And case in point is the 2015 free agency class. None of them are making an impact right uh, excuse now. Excuse me. Okay, well, Mr. Whoa, whoa. Nortman would like to disagree with you. 2016 Norton is, is Nortman. Okay. I, thought, 2015, I thought you said 16. 2015 is Jared Audrick. Yeah. 2015 let's, is let's, Devon House. Yeah. Mr. 2015 is Dan Scuda. Dave Caldwell gave us the Allen brothers. I'm not Dave saying Caldwell. that he's not a... Decent GM, Dave Caldwell gave us Telvin Smith. Mid to late round. Dave Disney. Caldwell gave us Jalen Ramsey. He's not Dave a- Caldwell right. gave us Jalen Ramsey, the Allen brothers, Telvin Smith, Brad Nortman. Find me a GM us who would take Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Jalen, Find you a GM okay. who would Grant. take Allen Robinson. Grant. Look. Jalen Ramsey fell into his lap at five. He had to take Ramsey. Mm-hmm. That was lucky. That was no skill. That was no skill. Okay? I won't give him credit for that because anybody would have done that. I would have done that. You would have done that. Scott would have done that. My mom would have done that. My little sister would have done that. Anybody would have done that. So, point being, Caldwell has made some very good decisions, but he's not without error. And he cannot be called infallible. Correct? He's not as bad as you guys make it seem. I'm not saying he's bad, but I'm saying he is not without error. Can we agree on that? We can agree to disagree. <laughs> All right, we'll agree to disagree. Luke Jokel's a superstar. I never said Luke was a superstar. I will say that Luke, having been moved to guard, has performed much better than he, he was, was doing at left better. tackle. You're right, yeah, but he was... I'll also say I think Omame is not doing any worse than Jokel was. Dave yeah. Caldwell also gave us Brandon Linder, who's one of the top ten guards in the NFL. Awesome. He has been performing very well in the mid to late round. There's no question that Caldwell's done some very good he things. He nailed Allen Ernst. But he's also done some not-so-great things. Anyways, we don't have to rant about Dave Caldwell all day. Um, but that $92 million to Malik ain't looking great right now. I'll say Malik's playing like pretty good. No, he. I mean, he's he's not one of the guys you're looking at as to what is the problem. Except with for the this penalties. Team on the field. Except well, for the penalties. Well, yeah, the penalties. penalties aside, yeah. He, skill wise, he's a guy who's he's doing his job. Yeah. You know, he's he's not someone who's blowing the stat sheet away. Yeah. He never I mean, will be. Exactly. No. Based on no. what he does, but. But you, the other thing too. There's guys that could be that do play the same position yeah. as him. Sin- quite, a, quite a few sacks at, at his position. Yeah, in 2014, Sanderic had eight and a half sacks. Yeah. You know, there's guys that do play the same position that can Perform produce well. incredibly well in terms of sack numbers, but so far Malik's not one of them. And he hasn't been his whole career. He's no. been good at getting pressures, yeah. 
but he's not the sack Which guy. Which sometimes, if you can affect the quarterback, it can be just as, as important as, as yeah. a sack. Absolutely. Oh yeah, I mean, look at look at Roy Miller. You know, he's one of the most undervalued. I mean, I know he's injured, but he's one of the most, if not the most, undervalued guy on our team. Yeah. And so you look at those big guys up front and what they do and the the, the value that they provide to our team. It's not always going to show up in the stat sheet, but it'll show up like in the leadership that we get from a Roy Miller mm-hmm. and what we could get from Malik Jackson. I think Malik is still finding his his fit. So to speak, but and I also think going back to one of our earlier points, real quick, having guys like Jalen Ramsey and having guys like Telvin Smith and, and guys who aren't and Malik Jackson who are used to winning and don't like losing, I don't know if Gus has had a locker room of those kinds of guys to handle. Yeah, it seems like the guys like Paz um, are just rolling right along with them. We got to get back to doing what we're doing. Now his on-field play has been playing well, but his mentality on to what he's saying to the media. It's just Sam like Gus Jr. Sam Wall Stewart. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up this civil war that's going on between I ownership think- and the fans. We touched on the players versus the fans last week. Yeah. There was another another incident. Uh, incident this week where Malik Jackson called out the fans, said there were more fans in the pools than there were cheering. I listened to the whole interview, and it just... It did not sound good, and it doesn't sound like he has any idea what he's talking about. No. Because the fans pack out the stadium. We're there. We see it. Hey, Jaguars, um, if you're looking for a PR guy, because I, I, I see that uh, position is pretty vacant right now. I'm, <laughs> I am available. I will tell all the players yes. just to shut the hell up. I can do that. Um, so just, you know, give me a call. Absolutely. So now <laughs> there's an entirely new thing that's going on and that is the fans on Twitter versus Tony Khan. And Tony Khan really did nothing to provoke this except for the no. fact that he's he's he's, he's somewhere a Suns to, owner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, he's somewhere you can point your anger at. Yeah, yeah he's he's a scapegoat for the for yeah. the ownership. I mean, people think, "Oh, Tony Khan, yes, he is the owner's son. Yes, one day he very well be could be the one running this team, owning this team." And he already has a heavy influence. Exactly. Yeah. He runs yeah. he runs the team's analytics department, but People should take that with a grain of salt because although he can use his metrics and his data to make suggestions, he doesn't have the final say. Yeah, he, he can only pro- he's he's another person at the round table who can provide input, but he has a lot less say than a lot of people think. And yeah. I've I've been waiting for all week for this topic right here. And yeah, he can we just say before you get into what you're gonna say, Jaguars fans on Twitter went as far as to call him. The F word that is associated with that, and, and exactly what I was about to get, and then into. they just kept calling him nerd. Like when, when, when it's one thing to boo someone at the stadium when they're doing a, a, an awful job. It's it's understandable. It's part of being not part of being a fan, but something that they are certainly entitled to if they're watching the product that we've been watching. But for someone to attack a, another human being on social media. Another human being slurs, that his ass. Someone who's using using slurs, um, uh, insensitive, just just negative, terrible things negative to words, say yeah. is cowardly. It's someone who thinks highly of themselves about and is feels like they're untouchable on the internet. Because Which many Jaguars fans do on Twitter, especially because they hide behind their RV and they don't. We don't know who they really are. They're you can say a lot of things wall. when you're not looking someone in the face. Exactly, that makes you look like a big strong man. 
that you wouldn't say to them in person. Yeah. And I feel like it is absolutely to attack somebody on social media, whether it's players, whether it's person personnel, whether it's ownership, is cowardly and just absolutely unnecessary. And it makes me as a fan and you, Grant, and yeah. you, Scott, it makes us look bad. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Because people see the story and they're like, oh, Jaguars fans are being assholes to the owner's son who runs the analytics and is very involved with the team. I don't want to be grouped in with that. I would no. never be rude to Tony Khan. He's no. done nothing but work really hard and be very civil and friendly with everyone. And Jaguars Twitter just needs to shut the hell up if you yeah, ask Jag- I've, I've been known to at the Jaguars every now and then and just... You know, give them a little trash can every now and then. But to personally attack somebody for doing their job, be it albeit poorly, and not up to your standards, is not is not something that you have the personal obligation to call them out on and to to just attack them in in these demeaning ways. It's yeah. also not going to result in a direct change exactly. for those who who think that that's going to solve anything. And I, I think you know for 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 people like us, for fans like us, I mean, we have the we take the brunt of it when we're not even the ones doing it. I mean, yes, there's Jaguars Twitter, but don't think that every Jags fan on earth is a part of Jaguars Twitter because I can that's assure right. you we're not. And, and we're all on Twitter and we're all Jaguars, but we are not part of that crap that's going on. No, and, and not la- at all. And the last word on the subject, it's creating a toxic relationship inside and outside the building and don't think that the players didn't see that one that pretty soon if the things keep going down the road they're going is going to be just like i don't want to know what it's going to be repairable i don't want to know what it's going to be things are going in a direction where it is getting very bad very quickly so let's just yeah move on i'm jordan delugo you can find (sighs) me on twitter at jordan delugo and also on facebook and instagram at jordan delugo we're here with our new co-host, Grant Gunderson, who's also the VP of GenJag. You can find him on Instagram, at BoldCityG underscore. And then you can find Scott Klein on Twitter, at ScottKlein1. That's K-L-E-I-N and the number one. So, moving right along, we're, we're going to get into around the AFC South now that we're all incredibly pissed off. <laughs> so, the Colts, Yippee! they just lost to the Chiefs who were playing they this week. They warmed them up for us. They warmed yeah. them up. <laughs> They're 3-5. and five. Uh, Their offense was unable to get anything going against the Chiefs last week. And it was in Indy. So, that's just... Yeah, they're, it's a little scary. They're pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a little scary. So the Colts have fallen to 3-5. and five. They travel to Green Bay this week. Green Bay's a little banged up, but in no way do I think that Green yeah. Bay is going to let Indianapolis win that football game. No. It's, and, it's, and it's like looking around the league, looking around this division, you're just remiss that we're not doing anything. Yeah. Just yeah. if we it's had right there. some if sort we of had success, something. Yeah. No, I it's agree. Right there We'd be for right us. in the fight. I mean, really, we could we could win the division at 9 and 7. Potentially. Now, let's get to um, the Titans who just beat the crap out of us. Uh, they're obviously the on a <laughs> Let's not talk up. about the Let's not talk about that, damn it. <laughs> they're obviously on a very hot streak right now. They're 4 and 4. Who would have ever thought they were 4 and 4 going into week 9 of the football season? But they are and they're in second place in the division. And uh, you know, they travel to San Diego this week. That's going to be a really tough game for them. Yeah. I wouldn't pick them in such a game. 
But uh, no, no. they've proven that they can hang with some good teams. So. They can run the ball. I mean, we'll see. I mean, Joey Bosa, he was just selected as oh, the, the – Bosa's killing uh, right? I mean, Bosa was selected as the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Month for the month of October. I mean, he is, he is playing up to the potential that everybody thought he would be. Without a doubt. And then we get to the Texans who, while they're struggling offensively for the most part, their defense is still getting it done. Um, without J.J. Watt. Yeah, they're doing just enough. To yeah. They're 5-3. and three. They're playing some strong D, and they have a bye week to get rested up. So um, the Jaguars, while the Texans are 5-3, and three, if the Jags can win this week, they're 3-5, and five, and they're still right in the mix. They oh, really absolutely. are. They're a team that will never let you give up hope. Yeah. Even when you Mostly because of their should. terrible division. But, you know. Oh. It is what it is. So that's around the AFC South. We don't have a lot of time left. we got to get into our Chiefs preview. Yeah. So the Chiefs are a really, really talented football team. They're 5-2, and two, and we're playing them at Arrowhead. They have one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. It's Historically brutal. and still to this day. They have awesome fans. They have awesome tailgating. Uh, their barbecue is world known. <laughs> um, Kansas, Kansas City. City. What it What is your main point this week with the Chiefs? Yet again, an injured team that's coming in here, and I'm not comfortable with our matchup. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to be a fool if you were comfortable. They're missing their starting quarterback, their top two running backs, potentially their number one wide receiver. Right, so not to get ahead of ourselves, Alex Smith is their number one quarterback who's out with a – Head injury that's not a concussion. He's not a concussion, but he's in the protocol and not ready to play yet Some for some reason. And then you get to Spencer Ware, who's their backup running back, who's really been their starting running back all year. From He'll Jamal probably Charles be out. has been out. Right. Yeah, Jamal Just Charles is done. Charles is out for yeah. probably the rest of the season. Yep. Um, but, yeah, Ware suffered a concussion, and he's in concussion protocol. Very small chance of him playing. And then Jeremy Macklin was added to the injury report today. He's their number one wide receiver. Yep. Um, he's a guy that, if he doesn't play, they are really lacking weapons besides Travis Kelsey. Not to mention, it, it also bad. takes away a degree of comfortability for Nick Foles. Who I mean, played from, with Jeremy Macklin in Philly yeah. as well. I mean, you take him away, I think it, it adds another another. But he played, he played pretty pretty well against... Well, our, our defense is a little bit better than Indy. But he, he came in, he... Played well. He was able to get the job done. They won the game. Um, um, and to shift on the other side of the ball, you know, you look at the Chiefs' defense. You know, not Marcus Peters is a beast, but D Ford. Yeah, it's brutal. D Ford yeah, is everybody someone, knew Marcus Peters coming into right, the season. Right, D Ford. I mean, people look at Dontari Poe, but D Ford. When you look at the sack leaders this this year in the NFL, D Ford has seven sacks through seven games. But I think more importantly is what we call non coverage sacks. And D Ford is right up there with guys like Vic Beasley, Brian Arakpo, Von Miller, and Cliff Averill as as leading in non coverage sacks. As right, in, and which that just a quick explanation of what that yeah, is. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a sack where you look at the time that the quarterback holds on to the ball. The longer he holds on to the ball, the longer you can put that yeah. on the defensive secondary. A non coverage sack is someone truly just beating the crap out of an offensive yeah. lineman. Hitting that quarterback in less than three seconds, D, D Ford has 65% of his sacks are a non-coverage sack. So that means he's just whipping offensive like, like tackles. Like he is, he is beating yeah. the piss out of offensive And line. he's a guy that um, 
it took a little while for him to catch on, but this year he yeah, just he, lo- he, he looks like the guy that they wanted when they drafted him. Yeah, he's he's he definitely was pretty maligned coming out. Um, he's an undersized kind of guy. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Was a very skilled player at Auburn, but translating to the NFL, you didn't know if the power would be there. Exactly. Yeah. And to to his credit, I mean, him playing at Auburn, me being a Bama guy, I watched D Ford. We had mm-hmm. to watch D Ford tear us up. And, yeah. and even then, I still had my doubts just about his size trans- transferring over to an NFL defense. But, I mean, I give credit where credit is due, and he definitely deserves quite a bit. Yeah, he really does. Um, good for the Chiefs on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we'd be remiss if we didn't quickly mention the Chiefs and the Jaguars were the two worst teams in the NFL in 2012. They had the number one and two picks. I know the Chiefs had injuries that year, yeah. but... We'd We've be remiss if we didn't say that. Di- pretty different path. Since yeah. the 2013 draft, when we were second and they were first, they have gone completely skyrocketed. They've been awesome, and we have just not gotten any better. So A good coach Typical Jags. Typical Jags. But um, the Chiefs' pass defense, my goodness. They're not amazing in terms of yards per game given up on, on through the air. They're giving up. Middle of the road, a little bit above average, 244 yards a game through the air. But they lead the league in interceptions with 11. You're playing Does Marcus with- Peters have all of them? <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention yeah. even Eric Berry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean Dude, they're hey, so talented. Quick, in quick credit to Eric Berry, man. Like, yeah. all you're doing, all you're, all you're fighting through, good for you. Yeah, yeah coming back from cancer. And yeah, Hoskins Lynn. Not, yeah. not sure exactly how your career path is going to go. It's, it's, a great, it's a great feel-good story. He's... Coming back, he's playing well. Um, so is there any chance that Bortles throws one interception or less in this game? I, it's, it's, it's as close to zero as I can <laughs> possibly fathom. Yeah, with, I'm with, with you. With the players that they have on defense, with the pressure that they can create. And the home field advantage. With, exactly, I mean, with, his, with his... I'm going to say give him one, but that's it. I hope... I hope for our sake, hopefully that he doesn't. Yeah, throw Bortles throws one pick in this game. I'll be insanely happy. Yeah, but um, the, his 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 pass record, his uh, his willingness to take chances and not so great throws. Now, really, is a bad combination. Yeah, the Jaguars have had pretty much statistically they're not the worst running team in the NFL. They're thirtieth, but. They've got to be the worst rushing team in the NFL right now. They're yeah. terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the new offensive coordinator is supposed to implement yeah. some changes in the run game and formations and such. And at both his stops before as offensive coordinator, he did really well running the ball mm-hmm. in Buffalo and Syracuse. So there's got to be some optimism there. And the Chiefs' defense, while their yards per game isn't staggering, their yards per carry, they're giving up four and a half yards a carry on the ground. If the Jaguars can, have to take advantage of that if they expect to win this game. If you yeah. can average anywhere near 4.5, oh, yeah. stick with it, and somehow you can keep their offense off the field, you can maintain drives, which for getting even getting a first down or getting multiple first downs on a drive is something we haven't done for a vast majority of the year. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, plain and simple, we got to move the ball in the first half. We haven't been able to do it this Sorry, I mean, slow it's killing it. It's gonna be with all the different headlines that go are going into this specific game, all the different storylines and things that could happen. What if? What if that? What if this? What if that? I mean, it's gonna be a good game, you know, for for Gosh, what it is. I hope. It's, it's, I mean, it's it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be like, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot riding on this game. This game can give. Yeah, Jack it's an fans, interesting game. Right. It's no, an no. interesting game. It can give us a lot of answers. You know, I have a friend, my friend Jamie, she's a Chiefs fan. You know, we've been going back and forth about it all week long. I mean, it should be a good one. Yeah, it really should. So, again, the Jaguars are facing a team that has so many injuries, and this year so far, they really haven't been able to take advantage of it. Yeah, they beat Chicago, who was really injured, but it took a 17-point fourth quarter to do it. And that's a team that potentially, if the Browns weren't around, they might have the first overall pick. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that having... Which, which by the way, if the Browns having the overall pick is scary, considering they just got Jamie Collins, by the way. Yeah, I like Jamie Collins, but the Patriots year. know what they're doing. Will he sign there? I think I think he will, because I think they'll throw a boatload of money at yeah. him. I don't, I don't think they would have done the trade without having some idea that he'd be willing to re-sign if they throw a boatload of money at him. But um, moving on from the evil Patriots... Um, evil Patriots. So evil. But, uh, so, do you think that them being without Jamal Charles and without Spencer Ware, do you think that we'll be able to take advantage of Sharkhandrick West? To me, it's never really the running game I'm worried about. It's always the passing game. Yeah. This, this, Full, this, I mean, past, this past week against Tennessee was really the first game that I feel like we've been exposed and been exploited yeah. in the running game. So it's something where... They're on their third quarterback, or they're on their third running back. Okay, I don't think Jamal Charles is a playmaker. Yeah, right. he's in the game. I'm worried. Spencer Ware really. Spencer is Spencer Ware is playing well. I'm 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 less worried if Jeremy Macklin sits out, but I'm I mean even then. Yeah, yeah. It'd to be me, great to for me, the Jags who, what running back play. outside of Jamal Charles is in the game is inconsequential. It's irrelevant. Because we've shut down better. It, yeah, it's irrelevant. We've shut down better running backs. It's the quarterback. And Which I'll give it to him. Yeah, full. So speaking a, of the quarterback, he's a very smart quarterback. He torched us in the past. I think you know it, a, a lot is going to ride on whether or not Macklin plays because even though they're not in Philly, Macklin gives Foles a degree of comfortability. And you just got to have weapons. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I think you take you take Macklin away, yeah, that changes things a bit. You, you have to worry. How about do you guys healthy? feel about Foles though? Like, forget the weapons, just him as a quarterback. What do you think? Like, he couldn't make I mean, it in St. Louis? Like, was that Jeff Fisher just being an asshole? I don't yeah. think Fisher? any quarterback is really going to succeed in Jeff Fisher. No, <laughs> Jeff I mean, Fisher. I mean for, for what it's worth, Foles, he doesn't make that many mistakes. But there's a, but there's a reason why Philly got rid of him. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He's, and that reason is Chip Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, say, I say that in jest, but it does have a serious tone behind it. Like, to me, he's... Chip he, Kelly's a mad scientist. He's, yeah. he's kind of... Brian Hoyer esque, who is brings up bad memories. I know because yeah. he torched us, but he's just 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 a guy. Yeah, you know? yeah, he's he's not horrible. I view him as a little bit more than just a guy. I think he's better than Brian Hoyer. Mm-hmm. He's much less experienced than Brian Hoyer, mm-hmm. but I think I honestly think he's a guy that, given a second chance to be a starter in the league, could right the ship. Could do it. I don't think he's obviously going to take Alex Smith's spot. Yeah. But I think he's more than capable of having an effective game against our defense. I really do. Yeah. 
I'm worried about it. I think a lot of people are like, oh, we got Nick Foles. He sucked in St. Louis. He got yeah. ran out of Philly. We're good to go. I'm not on the same page with that. Do I dare ask any kind of predictions? Yeah, we got to get into our predictions real quick before the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm not the right person to ask for this, damn it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Everyone's got their there's good. so many storylines. There's so many interesting things riding on this. There's a lot of potential injuries and how that could make things play out. I'm going to say 27-24 Jags. Wow. Wow. Okay. Scotty? Um, I'm not so Mr. Rainbows and Sunshine. <laughs> um... I should light on facts. <laughs> no, um, this is one of the best teams in the AFC. Yeah. Regardless, um, it's never really if they're missing a few offensive players, and that hasn't really been our issue. I'm not very optimistic. I'm not. Either. I mean, if uh, twenty twenty four to ten, Chiefs. Chiefs. All right. It's gonna um, be rough. Against this defense, to me. You know, I do see the injuries, and that does give me some hope. Like, I really think them being without their two best running backs, perhaps their number one receiver, and definitely with their starting quarterback, it could really help the Jaguars out. I'm going to be optimistic in my prediction, even though I'm not optimistic in real life. Uh, I'm going to go... 30 to 24 Jags. And that's going to wrap it up for our show I today. I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping. I, want, to be, I you, want you guys to be If right. you slip my veins, it's going to bleed teal. <laughs> so you can follow Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag on Twitter, at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram. You can go see us at GenJag.com, our website. For Grant Gunderson and Scott Klein, I'm Jordan DeLugo. This is the Gen Jag Podcast. See you later. See you.